0: I can hear you, just barely hear you. I can just barely hear you. Early one day, I got up the strength to call you on the phone. President calls your name in the nighttime. I flip back out of the
1: Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song by song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I am here talking with first-time guest Harley Rowan to talk about the song, This Microphone, off of I Like Fun. Selfless. everybody you are a huge supporter of the podcast and i appreciate your patreon support and just your overall just interacting with the podcast on social media really really helps more than more than people know like you might think like just sending a tweet at someone is silly but like anytime someone mentions the podcast on facebook twitter twitter is seems the best the best way that this spring thing has been spreading um but just like the more people mentioning it, the more people's other friends see that stuff and then are like, Oh,
2: I'm now aware that this exists. So I appreciate all th- that help, man. And I will definitely spread the good word. I love your podcast and uh it's just been the best thing for me in the past year. I've been listening <laughs> to everything. So I'm really, really stoked to be on your podcast too.
1: Hell yeah. I'm happy to have you. Um yeah, it's it's funny the way I find guests these days. Like, honestly, I've got more people. I've got people coming to me now, which is nice because, I mean, you've seen the spreadsheet, right? It is, uh, full. I mean, it's not full, but like the classic era albums, especially, like, yeah. it's slim pickings. Like, I have, like, mo- unlike most podcasts, I've no problem finding guests. And at this point, I don't even need to search out people. But on occasion, I will, um, tap somebody who I feel like is you know, not you know anyone famous or anything, but is just like so uh, into it and, and, and looks like they're willing to talk and have good conversations about the band I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask them these days, most of my uh, emailing and messaging is going out to people's agents and I won't reveal any of those <laughs> on air, but just pushing for bigger and bigger guests yes Because it doesn't hurt to try that so far it's been just my you know throw shit at the wall and see what sticks i'd be like hey i really like these people i've heard that they like they might be giants or they seem like they might like they might be giants let me just throw a tweet at them let me throw and now i'm to the point where like getting past to the point where people will where you kind of need to go through management a little bit so um that that's that's where most of my time um Besides recording and editing, most of my time is going towards finding out who people's management is and emailing their management, and hopefully there will be some big guests coming down the pike this spring, because I am throwing a wide
2: net... So we'll see. <laughs> well, shoot for the stars, man. I, I wish you the best luck. Uh, so far, your guests, uh, especially these musician guests, have been so interesting. Listening to you guys break down the song and w- with the music theory talk, I have learned so much from you know the various guests, especially the, the professional musicians. I just I love it, man, and I, I, I support you fully.
1: Hey, thanks, man.
2: And you've got. Oh, I just noticed you're
1: wearing the uh, the the full print uh, pink album T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm just seeing your shoulders up, but I saw I'm just seeing the uh, yeah the yellow. What what does the little yellow sign say there? It's a little fuzzy on the on the video right now. Dreams realized. Yeah, just ahead. Dreams realized. <laughs> Shop behind the motel. Yeah, yeah I yeah. love that 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 artwork of the album is so great, and, and that's such a bold shirt. To have just, like, the all-over printing?
2: Yeah, I couldn't pass this one up. I'm I I'm a big collector of the Might Be Giants things. In fact, it's the one thing I collect the most of. So when I saw this, I had to get this because it's absolutely one of my favorite albums of all time. And, uh, I mean, I, this right here is also really special to me. It's My girlfriend gave it to me from a show that she oh. went to in Dallas, and she got Flance's pick, and we got it, you know, on a necklace. Is that, like, embossed in Boston something? What's uh uh yeah we got it like that? in a case just so we can mount it oh the, okay yeah, yeah so it's
1: flames picked got the flood logo on it Hell yeah, yeah it was like uh, yeah on a necklace that was, wow, that's wow yeah. that's a pretty sweet gift yeah yeah nice. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah not a uh, mass-produced they might be giant oh no uh, one of a kind one of a that's, kind yeah that's awesome yeah so let's talk about your fandom with the
2: band then um first of all though you're in uh where in colorado um, I'm in a suburb near Denver called Arvada, and it's just a okay. uh, west, c- close to the mountains a little bit, and uh, it's a really great little area. I love it. And nice, yeah. I've got I've got an aunt in Denver. She, I mean, she's not an aunt.
1: I see a whole lot. And I've played a couple of gigs in Denver, but one was back in 2003, and then one was 2013. So, I can't say I know that area or that I know the city all that well, but I've been to a Rockies game and that was pretty, that stadium is pretty fucking awesome.
2: Oh, uh, next time outdoor velours in town, I am
1: coming to see you, man. Yeah, we played the punk rock venue that I think is still there called um, uh, seven, uh, Seventh Circle or like. What is it? Like something about like the seven circles of hell or what else or something (laughs) like that. It was was just spray painted everywhere. Like it was a total punk rock place. The crowd responded well to us, but we rolled up and we're like, oh, this is uh, even (laughs) like intentionally dumpier than I thought it would be. Awesome. But I will, I must also give a shout out to um, my old friend, Brittany, Brittany Strummer. She worked for Punk News. She actually uh, passed away about nine months ago. Um, I think at this point that this is being released, but I met her for the one only time I ever met her in person. I, we'd interacted, interacted online quite a bit cause she worked for punk news for a long time. And I got to meet her at that show and, uh, she, yeah, at the age of 29, I want to say, um, passed away. That was a big loss to our yeah. website. She wasn't working for the site anymore, but she had a lot of friends there and that was, that was a big hit. She was also, um, a huge support of the band against me i'm not sure if you're familiar with against me but she yeah. uh that was um she was real tight with them so there were there were some pretty cool bands that were doing tributes to her and stuff after she passed but Brittany strummer yeah yeah uh, my condolences man denver uh i i I believe she grew up there but i'm not positive but she was super cool um but to take it back to a lighter note yes so uh you seem like quite the mountain man i'm i was looking at your uh (laughs) your your photos on facebook Uh and you got like snow in your beard and half of them
2: yeah 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 I'm, i'm from colorado and i um I uh, grew up actually in Missouri, which I don't claim as as readily as you, because the day I turned 18, I moved out to Boulder to pursue a dream, and uh, I ended up just staying here. I just love it. Yeah, I I went to CSU, Colorado State University, for a degree for parks and protected areas, because I want to save the world, and I thought I might be able to do that by becoming a park ranger or some kind of ecological warrior. Yeah. So, you know, I learned a little bit about, you know, parks and protected areas and i'm not working in that right now but (laughs) so what do you do uh right now i am a delivery driver for a wholesale florist it keeps me busy and i get to drive and listen to your podcast like all day
1: (laughs) 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 Ah, a lot of driving yep that's where i do all my podcast listening yeah uh yeah i've got a healthy commute as well um yeah i played a played a gig in boulder once too that's the same band that went to denver at a different tour we went out that way a couple times. That might have been two thousand one. I don't remember that. I think it was like a fucking pizza place or something. I remember our trom- <laughs> yeah. I remember our trombonist Levix. He was he was like a total hippie. Boulder is like total hippie <laughs> oh, yeah. town. Yeah, totally. And yeah, total yo know, tree huggers. And I I love that stuff. But he was like super super long hair. He was he was like. Not like the rest of us in the band, like these punk rock kids, he was our trombonist, uh one of two trombonists, but I remember the stage was so small he ended up climbing into like the nearest booth and was like playing like standing on the booth, playing <laughs> trombone out into the crowd. It was uh yeah. that was back in the day, you played wherever the hell you could, and um we were up uh, we you know we were of age, and we played some bars, but we liked to play places that were all ages. Especially at the time, because we were just barely, you know, of age, so we liked people to be able to come out to the show. So, plays playing pizza places and bowling alleys and shit like that. That's 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 <laughs> yeah. where the mem- that's where the memories are made. It's right. not just another place with a stage. It's uh, a place with barely a stage. So your trombonist goes into the booth. <laughs> <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I, I don't regret any of those tours. They were super fun. Uh, we never made much money or any money, but it was all about, it's all about the memories. Right. So, um, so you're ashamed of your
2: Missouri roots? Well, not exactly, but I I just, uh, I just didn't really care for the Midwest. Uh, It just wasn't my style. I needed a more progressive thinking place. So yeah, I just, you know, all my family's there. So I definitely go back to Missouri and visit people and it's, yeah, it's an okay place to visit, just not for me to live there. <laughs> yeah, my wife's got family in Springfield.
1: We played oh, yeah. play there once, and we've stopped by there a couple times. You know, the Ozarks. And yeah, all that. that's where I lived out um, down in
2: Lake of the Ozarks. It was uh, way out in the boonies, man. I lived on a dirt road, and I just yeah. dreamed for the city. Do you watch did you watch that show, the uh, the Netflix? Oh, yes. Ozark? The new the next season's coming out soon, so we're excited. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. Jason
1: Bateman in a serious role is like <laughs> I was like, I don't believe it. And I'm like, okay, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I kinda went the opposite way of you growing up in a very I mean Chicago, obviously, very liberal area. And then moving to Well, when I was in Bloomington, Indiana, that is like the one Indianapolis is fairly liberal, it's a big city, but Bloomington is like the other, that's like the other liberal safe haven. Oh, okay. Uh, as long as you stick to like the downtown area, that's where all the uh, musicians and artists and, and uh, tree huggers and all us folks are. Um, uh, but... Moving to Lafayette is a little. It's a little more of a just working class, normal Indiana town now, and I get along fine with those people. I mean, as long as they're not like huge Trump supporters that wave it <laughs> in my face. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't care. You, I mean, you vote for who you want to. I mean, I wish you wouldn't, but as long as you're not being, an, as long as you're not being an asshole about it. Like if I lived in Indiana and just completely like refused to be friends with anyone that's a Republican, I would have. Very few friends where I work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I'm in a very rural school too. Not even in the town that I live in. But yeah. So let's let's talk about your fandom then. So how were you? Were you still in Missouri? Still a, a, a young chap when you got into They Might Be Giants?
2: Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I have. I, I got to know They Might Be Giants right after Flood. So I think it was around 1992. Uh, but you know, music has always been a huge part of my life since I was a small child, and my parents told me stories about playing the Beatles on you know while well, on my mom's tum tummy while she was yeah. you know pregnant with me. So I, I Strawberry yes. Fields is a song that goes into my soul and lives there, you know. And I grew oh, up. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. The
1: very first, uh, so I had cassettes and stuff when I was really young, but when the CD, era CDs were becoming more affordable, the very first two CDs I ever bought were The Who, Who's Next and magical mystery tour it, <laughs> even though people like disregard that as like oh, I guess it's an album it's just like all the scraps they threw together yeah. but I'm like look at that track list man it is so good and that's like that perfect era where they were like whimsical still and but they were starting to get artsy so there was like you had some weird instrumentation but they were still like super into just writing catchy songs right. it's like that perfect like sweet spot there I love that album yes I actually own two copies of the original First Pressing 45 of the double A-side Penny Lane Strawberry Fields Forever because both of my parents owned it, and both of them held on to it, and I now have both copies.
2: Hell (laughs) yes! Only
1: one, I think my mom still had the sleeve. It had gotten wet at some point, so it's a little... uh, it's it's not you know gonna go for a lot of money on eBay or something. Not that I would do that, but it still has the sleeve with the art. Um, it's just not mint condition. Let's say that, but yeah. uh, it is a sweet thing to have in my collection of forty fives, of which I have quite a few. You can see them on the wall, uh, going up the stairs. There. Oh, sweet! Oh, wow! Yeah. A whole bunch. And yeah. that's that's just a small fraction of them. I go <laughs> so to. Cool. I get like estate sales and stuff like that, and just like load up on. Motown singles and shit
2: yeah yeah I love music too man it's just it is kind of one of the best things in my life and uh whenever I was a kid I was listening to classic rock and oldies and a ton of Weird Al you know so I I I developed a really eclectic taste from an early age so when I heard They Might Be Giants for the first time it was like a natural piece fitting into my puzzle right you know and yeah uh, I just I think I think it took me a little while to embrace They Might Be Giants fully but I knew that there was something to them the first time I heard them. So why why was that? What was the
1: hang up at first? I mean, you were. Oh, uh, I mean, you're you're talking like what like uh, early high school or or middle it, school or early high school?
2: Yeah. So I'm like I think I'm about three years older than you. My brother is born in '81, and I'm three years older than him. So
1: yeah, I'm.
2: Um, yeah. So like. I think in in the early '90s, right after Nirvana dropped, you know, "Smells Like Teen Spirit," like my wow. musical world opened up, and I I was embracing my headbanger uh, metal head. You know, I was growing out my hair, and practicing my stare. I was, <laughs> but I I didn't want to fully embrace my my full geekdom, you know, with "They Might Be Giants" because I was trying to be a metalhead. So yeah, okay, yeah, like, but but I do remember very specifically. Sitting there in as a like a fourteen or fifteen year old with the album and listening to this stuff, and it was just like, what is going on? And it, it opened up my whole world, and like I felt like this is one of the coolest things I've ever heard in my life.
1: I, I'm picturing you like. You're in you're in the car with your friends listening to like Soundgarden or something. Yeah, yeah. Or like Metallica Black Album and then like but then you get back home and you're like you got your headphones on, you're like secretly listening to uh-huh. Apollo
2: eighteen or something. Like, exactly. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't ready to be not cool. You know, I was hanging out with the cool kids. So,
1: yeah. Well, and it's funny how we define cool when we're that young. And you know, teaching elementary school, like sixth graders, what sixth, sixth graders think is cool is so bizarre. <laughs> like the just like the criteria for what's cool when you're twelve, thirteen, fourteen. It's just so weird. I I don't even. You know, every time you say it, you sound like an old man because you're like, "Oh, kids these days, I don't understand it." I try to understand it as the music teacher. I want to at least know what's popular, and not like I'm trying to be like the cool guy. Look, I'm into this cool, this yeah. this hip new artist, but like I like to have some sort of like basis to like understand. You need to connect with those kids, yeah, and like try to understand why they like what they like, like, and even kind of like because um, I do a lot of pop music history. And talk about how what they're listening to might be influenced by something like the Beatles. I mean, pretty much anyone with a guitar that was, you know, that born after, you know, the Beatles were a thing is influenced by the Beatles. That's like almost a prerequisite. But kind of, you know, keep up with stuff enough to uh, be able to... Like, I feel like I'm kind of like an archaeologist in a way where it's like trying to dig... Or or what? What would be the word? Anthropologist would be the the right word. (laughs) Right, right. Anthropologist, like an anthropologist, where I'm trying to like dig and like discover, like dissect, like this music that these kids like, and feel like, why do they like this? What makes it tick? And then like introduce them, like, oh, you like that? Well, you know, you like you like Western music. Have you heard Hank Williams? No? Well, let's <laughs> rectify that. <Right. laughs> yeah. that need, you know, let's talk about Mabel Carter, who invented what became like the modern style of guitar picking for country music. you got to know
2: these things. If you think you're a country fan, I'm going to school you. Absolutely. Um, I'm so happy that you're doing this, too, and you're in this perfect medium to where you can influence kids' tastes. There are going to be so many <laughs> kids that are going to come off of your classes knowing they might be giants, and that they're going to be fans for life because of that. So you are just doing... The good work right here, man. Doing the Lord's 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 work. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's a reason that four out of their five best-selling albums are kids' albums. Like It's because they're really good. They are. And there's a reason they won a Grammy for it. I mean... There's a reason they do so well, you know, and, and make good cash off of like Disney stuff and, you know, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and all these theme songs and all this. I mean, they're just good at writing songs in any genre that are going to be catchy or interesting and usually both. Um, so kids love it. I, you know, and the, the parents love it. The parents and the other teachers, too. They're like, they like, yeah. The art teacher, the new art teacher this year, she's like, uh, She was starting to teach the the kids that were first graders last year, the second graders, she was starting to teach them about the color spectrum, and they're like, we know all about Roy G. Biv." Biff! She came to me, she's like, thanks for teaching them about that. I didn't even have to explain what that was.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: R is for red, O is for orange, Y is for yellow, and G is for green, B is for blue, I for indigo, and P is for Violet. and that smells you're welcome Man,
2: it's great
1: yeah yeah so thanks. then so back to your 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 story when did you finally like fully embrace publicly that you were a they might be Giants fan
2: <laughs> well uh, I think you know I embraced it the first time I heard it I just did it in in secret mostly right that's
1: uh, what I'm saying. when did you come out of the they might be Giants closet?
2: Oh gosh, probably right after Mink Car, yeah, right, right around two thousand one. Okay, so it's a little while. Yeah, I, well, I just I realized that once I became older, I really don't care what people think about me anymore. So I yeah. just said it: <laughs> I'm gonna love what I love, and yeah, everybody else can just
1: screw off. So you don't need to care what what so and so just said about you, but yeah. it it does. You, I mean, you want acceptance when you're younger, um, and then you grow up, and you're like. Fuck it, I like what I like, and if if you don't like me because of that, then I'll go find some other friends. Right, right. You know, I mean, but it's it's funny to think like you'd be like, of your friends like hearing that you like they might be giants. you like, did you know Harley's like they might be giants this whole time? What yeah. a dork! I can't believe we hung out with that guy. Right, I doubt yeah. that would
2: be the case. Well, that's all, it was also like when I was younger, I just didn't know how to. Ex- I didn't know how to explain them. You know, like I, I was like, yeah, I, was, like, I just, like, I just. I just don't know what they are or what they're singing about, but I was like, I just know I like it. And now I've, you know, for 30 years, more than 30 years, I've been a fan and it's just, it's just great. But uh, I mean, the first time I ever heard them, I was at a Renaissance festival. Have you ever been to one of those? Yeah, really? At a Renaissance fair? Oh yeah, I grew up actually um, traveling the country, and I would do about five different Renaissance fairs every year. For real? Yeah, yeah. Those, my parents are glass blowers. I don't know if you could see the oh wow glass on the back behind me. Yeah, but, yeah. They they do like glass sculpture, and I grew up at a Renaissance fair, like I said, traveling. Um, but the one that I remember that I found in my giants was at Scar- it was called Scarborough Fair. It's in Waxahachie, Texas, and yeah. um, I was hanging out with the the cool older kids you know, and um, at the top of this little place called the pasta palace where they make really good food for the the patrons of the fair. And so I'm listening to their music with them and I'm just like absorbing all of their music like a sponge because they're really cool and they got cool music. And then one of my friends, she's, she also passed away about five, six years ago from breast cancer. But she was the one that told me about they might be giants. And she was like, uh, she's like, She's like, what? Are, what kind What are you? What tapes are you listening to these days? And I said, oh, I listen to like Labamba, Richie Valens, uh, Beatles, a lot of weirdo, and then yeah, and then I remember she looked. She looked at me and she had this little twinkle in her eye, and she was like, it was like it was like something. She was like, I'm about to blow your mind. Why is the world in she pulled out a copy of Flood on cassette. Why are we- And we put it in the player, turn that thing on, you know, like, changed my life. And... You know, Holly, the, the lady that introduced me, she was like Pandora before her time. And she said something like, oh, if you like listening to Weird Al Yankovic and the Beatles, then you're going to yeah. love They Might Be Dying. <laughs> yeah. I like, yeah, I like doing that kind of thing. And I, I like
1: in, in the modern age, like, because I used to make mixtapes like crazy oh and yeah. then mix CDs and then, you know, playlists and now Spotify playlists. It's so easy. Like, um, Oh, I'm following yeah, the, all your the,
2: Spotify playlists, man.
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this new uh, art teacher, Lauren, like she actually lives here in town. Most of the other teachers live out in the county that uh, the schools are at, you know, and so we both have like a 25-35 a minute drive to these two different schools. So, we'll carpool a couple different days of, we, uh, of the week, and even though she's she's more than 10 years younger than me, like she listens to some cool stuff, uh, but so I'm like, oh, you like uh, you like that? Well, uh have you ever heard this? And like she's totally receptive to it. Some people yeah. would be like, ah, no, I I know what I like. Don't even try." But you know, people and I'm up for it too. I love when people introduce me to new bands. Yeah. So, I that's like one of my favorite things. Like whenever we have guests to the house or anything, being like, "I don't know exactly what they like. I know they like this band and this band and this person." So I think I could make a playlist. Sure. That would have some of that, but then maybe some stuff where they'd be like, oh, this is cool. What is this?
2: Oh, man, exactly. And and just listening to your guests so far, like... um I can't remember the girl that was talking about The Shins, but I was like, oh, The Shins. I heard of them, and I was like, I went and checked it out. Now they're one of my favorite bands, and I'm really obsessed with them. I play... Was that Carrie? I, I, I feel like... Yes. Uh, Miss Bluebeard. I feel Bluebeard, like Carrie on Miss Bluebeard. Bluebeard, yeah. Miss Bluebeard, yeah, and she was talking yeah. about how much she loved The Shins, and I was like, <laughs> I'm was like, i going to go check those guys out. If, if they my Giants fans like them. I'm, I'm, and then I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are amazing. Yeah, it was,
1: it was a pretty it was a pretty ringing endorsement from her when I was like, what do you like? And she's like, classical, and then we like talking about Bach or something. I'm like, do you listen to any rock? She's like, not really. But I like the Shins. Yeah, like it was like out of all the band, and I'm like, hell yeah, Yeah. Um, they're good. Even like uh, Heartworm, the one that came out a couple years ago, that was pretty good, like indie pop record. But yeah, those first three Shins records are uh, oh, incredible. They
2: are the best. They're so amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, so jump into the modern era of. Uh, they might be giants. Um, I guess the only other th- the other thing I want to ask to you is how many times you've seen them live. Have you seen them?
2: Oh man, yeah. Oh, of course. I've seen them. I I am just trying to figure that out, and I've, I've round thirteen to fourteen times. Okay. Yeah, I, I would have seen them a hell of a lot more if I would have lived in New York City or on the East Coast. But uh, well, Den- Denver is not bad. Yeah. Yeah, they don't come here that often though. They've skipped no? Denver several times on tours, and that really upsets me. But they make they make up for it with their amazing live shows. My first time actually seeing them, it was on the Factory Showroom tour, and Sweet. Uh, actually the funny thing was my brother and my mom. Actually saw they might be giants before me. Uh, they saw them open up, really? Yeah, I think they were opening up for midnight oil in Kansas City, Kansas, during one of huh. the Renaissance fair days and my <laughs> my brother and my mom went to the show. They got me a T-shirt signed a really old T-shirt, and when John used to sign with a um, O as a guitar. You know, I don't know if you ever seen that signature. It's a pretty old signature. Oh, but-
1: uh, yeah, Flans would sign with a guitar. Yeah, yeah yeah, I've seen that. yeah, yeah. And
2: I still got that that t shirt. It's so like my prize was a huge, huge that's hole in awesome. it, but I keep it. But yeah, yeah. you should frame frame that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, the fir- like I said, the first time I saw him was in um, like factory showroom, Kansas, City, 1996, I think it was. And that's before- so you saw Brian Doherty. I did.
1: He is an amazing drummer. Oh, wow. Um, going back and listening to those two, you know, he was only on those two albums and those couple EPs, but like. His shits, his And his kit just sounds so good. I love talking to him because just like those recordings and being on those and they were major label albums, like just like it was such a big step up for drummers who like the band because I was a drummer and I like the old stuff and I was like, I was OK with drum machines. But once they got a live drummer and, you know, and yeah, um, you know, Jonathan Feinberg was the first touring drummer, but then the first guy really on
2: record was Brian. And I was just like, oh, hell yeah. Got a got a human on the drums now. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't remember. I can't say I remember a whole lot about the other band members, but I, I sure. know that Brian Doherty was there, and Graham maybe, and Eric Schlimmerhorn or Schimmerhorn or something like that. But yeah, Sh- Schimmerhorn. Yeah, yeah, but the, I think the cool thing about that show, I don't remember a lot about it because it was so long ago. But Cub, yeah, that Vancouver band that they covered, yeah, from New York City opened up for them. So and it was really, you know, definitely a cool show that that just solidified it. With me, whenever they played Exquisite Dead Guy, um, yeah. I never forget this because they brought out the poles with the long, creepy puppet heads, and they started <laughs> yeah, out up, the yeah. and, and and they had the spotlights all these puppet heads, and and I was just like, I was just transfixed with the weirdness of it all. Oh yeah, and I mean that, that it, yeah, yeah, that's crazy that because that
1: I feel like they still do a ton of interesting stuff live, but that kind of thing. Like, that creepy factor, I'd say it hasn't disappeared from the lyrics, but for the live show, I'm not saying they aren't artsy anymore, but, like, that being 1996, like, that's something they would have done even, like, in 86. Like, that was the kind of thing they were doing, like, when they were just, like, you know, haunting all these New York clubs and, like, doing these residencies and stuff that they would do all that weird, yeah, the, like homemade set pieces and stuff like that. So the fact that in 1996 on a major label, um, you know, it's almost surprising that like at that level, someone higher up wasn't like, stop doing that. That's like creeping people out. <laughs> yeah. You're going to lose fans. I don't know. Like, I don't know how it works being on a major label, but, or how much control they'd have over someone's live show. But,
3: uh, oh, that,
1: that is, is a crazy, that's yeah. That's a crazy thing that they were still doing that in that era
2: yeah i just loved yeah. it i just loved the it was just different than anybody else and i knew right then i was like i'm a fan for life you know and uh, now i'm they're my favorite band of all time and i just never ever get tired of listening to them or talking about them. And I'm definitely semi-obsessed. Anybody that knows everybody that knows me yeah. knows that if you start talking about They my Giants with Harley, he's not going to stop. And yeah. nobody cares <laughs> anymore. You know, it's like, it's, it, it's just, I, I cannot get enough of what they're about. And, um, you know, I just, I have to say that they feel like a band for the fans, you know, like they've oh, always yeah. been there for, for us and uh there's so many things that like like when i first became a fan of the Empire giants and i was realizing i really wanted to delve deeper into them they at the time it was before the internet was really taken off it was just beginning but they were still doing a um a bi-yearly paper newsletter you yeah. know and i have like one or two copies of that left but they had a section where you could like Right in and ask they might be giants a question so at my yeah. 16 year old self after i saw them on tour and i was listening to um you know that album a lot and spiraling shape was one of my favorite songs off of that so i wrote them a you know a, i asked them a question about the interpretation of that and of course i got back the the general response no i don't think it's about that or you know we, we don't really know what it's about but you could interpret how you want you know like but you got a response, yeah. I, oh, yeah. They yeah. they've always responded to me. That's one thing like I said. Flans is always present, and he yeah. he is. You got the ask on Tumblr, which is amazing. Anytime anybody has a question, they can just go to Tumblr and ask them a question about technical stuff, or um, yeah, you know. I mean, I, I just feel like they're just amazing the way that they are out there for us, you know. And yeah, uh,
1: yeah. They 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 definitely make the music for themselves. Like the the music, the songs. Are for themselves. I don't think they ever, unless they're pitching a song to a TV show or something like that. Obviously, you're gonna go like in the direction that the director is looking for. But like, as far as their album tracks, I I think they just, and this is why they have so many songs, is because they're just constantly like trying to push themselves to new areas and you know constantly thinking of lyrical ideas. And I think they're they're writing the songs for themselves and thankfully they're awesome but like as far as being there for the fans that's like it takes it to a whole other level because yeah, yeah you know you- you'll see prolific artists who are kind of like recluses and stuff like that which like you know there's like an air of mystery or whatever or an artist that barely makes any music and it's only like once a decade like they'll come up and be like oh my god there's a new album i don't know anything about this person it's so Cool that they're so mysterious, but they might be giants are on the other end of it, just constantly putting out music. Yeah, constantly these days, constantly putting out videos, encouraging fans to bootleg recordings. Like they're they're just totally like, yeah, you know, guys have fun with it. Like you know, they know they're not going to ever be on a major label again, and I don't think they'd care to be. Um, But they've got this fan base that grows through generations, and while it's not the biggest fan base. In the world, it is a fan base that really, really loves them, and they really try to 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 show their appreciation. It seems.
2: Yeah, they my Giants fans are so great and creative and interesting that I mean, it's just it's just so fun to just get on the internet every day and see what some meme somebody made or what joke. Yeah, yeah. it's great. I mean. they're the one of the, the best things in life for me, so I'm I'm just happy to be part of their music, and I feel like I'm very lucky to have them as my favorite band, you know. Not not just because they're amazing musicians, but be also because they got so many songs. And like you've mentioned many times in your podcast, there's so many songs that you could find a new song every time you look. Almost like I I was just looking the other day and I found Savoy Truffle by the Beatles on a George Harrison tribute album, and I was just like, what? I've never heard this yeah. before. And yeah. I was like, God, I love this band. Cool cherry cream, a
3: nice apple tart. I feel your taste all the time, we're apart. Coconut fudge truly really blows down those blues.
0: After
1: the Savoy I know, I'll have people Like, what, uh, you know, signing up for an episode I'll be like, here's the link to the spreadsheet And they'll be like, where's this song? And I sometimes I'll, I'll be like, oh yeah I've heard that but completely forgot about it Or it'll be something where it's like some Some really, really mega fan Who'll be like Wait, you don't have this like out of print EP on there or whatever. You know, like and there I'm starting to buy get all the physicals of stuff that I didn't get in the nineties and early aughts, like the EPs and the the non like LP stuff. Um but then there'll be people that are even like Well this song never made it past dial a song, but I want to talk about you know, like I had someone sign up for No Answer, which I kept finding covers of when I was doing the answer episode. I kept finding a song called "No Answer," and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. It it was only on Dial song, and <laughs> uh, but people have latched onto it. I'm really surprised that the band has never been like, "Well, okay, I guess people like it. Let's do a real version." Um, it's probably too far past that point. <laughs> you know, this is like got i have to look up the year, but it's crazy. People yeah. would be like, yeah, I want to sign up for this song. It's not in your spreadsheet.
2: Like, <laughs> another Damn, one.
1: Damn, how did it? Yeah, I'm like, add another one to it. And I'm like... <laughs> I know, it's great. It's, it's nuts. It's great. So then, yeah. So then when I Like Fun came out, you know, we're talking... So the album just turned uh, two years old. It was released on January 19th in 2018. It was the first of three albums uh, that came out in 2018, uh, so what did you think of the album as a whole when it when it first dropped? What were your feelings
2: about it? Uh, it took me like two or three listens to really, really kind of bite into it. But I love, I like fun. It is it is definitely up there in my top five favorite albums, maybe even top three. I mean, I listen to it regularly. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, I listen to it regularly since it's come out. I mean, Spotify, I love that rap thing at the end of the year, but they show you your favorite band and your favorite album, your favorite yeah. songs. And it was like, all oh, they might be giants and this microphone came up on there, you know, it was my favorite song. But, um, I mean, I like fun is a solid album. In fact, I think it's one of the best albums they have put out in a long time. Like, like really seriously, it's, I think it's one of their best albums since easily since mint car. And I just, well, I'm glad you're a mint car fan,
1: but what would you say if, uh, well, if you were going to rank your albums or at least not necessarily in order, what are your top five? They might be giants. albums. then if, if this is one of them, what are the other four?
2: Um, Probably either long tall weekend or they got lost. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, not really. I'm gonna go super obscure. Yeah. No. Um. Actually, my favorite album for sure is Lincoln. I love Lincoln. I. I. It's the air I breathe. So. Um, yeah, hell yeah. Lincoln is definitely my favorite, and John Henry sometimes it can be my favorite, but. Um, <laughs> Apollo 18 is, is a family favorite. I re- listen to that with my family all the time, and my dad loves that album, so um, the Apollo 18 is definitely up there. So I'd say, like, probably Lincoln, Apollo 18, and I Like Fun are my three favorite albums right now. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. But Miss T, I mean, yeah, it's hard picking. There's all so good. I cannot say which is my favorite, you know.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Once once I get past like my top 5, it's harder to sort them out cuz there are so many good ones. Like yeah, I mean, how lucky are we that they've never released a stinker of an album. Yeah. That, like they've they've built this nice little area for themselves where they started out so eclectic that they didn't like typecast themselves cuz you'll see a lot of bands that will get um, I don't know why this first came to mind, but are you familiar with Bony Vare? Yes, I like him. So, so he blows up with this folky album, yeah. And there's this whole story about how he, his band broke up, and he broke up with his girlfriend. He goes out to this cabin in Wisconsin, and writes this, <laughs> you know, folky, <laughs> Heart, heartstrings album. Yeah, yeah. And then the next one, he's like, hey, I use synthesizers now. And then the next one, he's like, hey, I use like all vocoder now and all like fucking robotic vocals and stuff. Yeah. And I've found something to like about all his albums, but it's like you really alienate some of your fans when you're like, hey, I sound like this. Just kidding. I sound like this now. And I'm all for like growth uh, for artists and they might be giants have grown plenty along the way too. But they kind of set a template that's like a very, um, loose template in that well the template's basically like we're going to do whatever yeah and you know if you like it you know we're going to here's a country pastiche here's one that's like kind of a hip hop song it's called it's called spines here's one that's like a, a dance club song here's one that's you know totally atonal and detuned you know i know there's microtones and stuff and just like they've they've never You expect the unexpected, basically, if I'm going to throw a cliche out there.
2: Well, yeah. I I just hope they don't go the way of Bon Iver with the auto-tune everything, you know. Well, but what's
1: cool is that, like, they'll do stuff like – like, I love – the bastard wants to hit me. There's auto tune <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Right. But that was like that was like Linnell being like, hey, so this is a new thing that like people are doing. Mm-hmm. Let's fuck around with it. You know? They're not gonna they're not gonna put out an album that's all one genre. That's just not what they do. So you're kind of avoiding that pitfall of being like, Hey, we're gonna do our country western album now. Like, yeah. you know, like Elvis, like Elvis Costello or something. And there's another great example who has been successful with that model where he's like, Hey, I'm a pub rocker now. Hey, I'm a new wave guy. Oh, I'm going to do a country record. Oh, I'm going to do like a bunch of old crooner classics. Like he'll, he tries out all these different things and he's usually pretty successful with it. So he's like on the one end of like what artists can do over a long period while they might be giants are like, we're going to do all of those things. On every album,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they reinvent the wheel every single album, and that's what—that's why they're so amazing. Because I never get bored of them. Like I got bored in Missouri because it was all flat all the time, but when I came out to Colorado, the mountains—they're—they're they're always different. There's, this, you know, but I just—I—I I have to say they're—they're they're my favorite band, and they have so many amazing tech uh, qualities that keep me baited. For more, I I just yeah. cannot wait for more, and I just I'm always checking my emails for more. They might be giants or, whatever, you know. They're so prolific. It's just, it is absolutely amazing to. It's pretty unbelievable experience. They might be giants, you know, but um. So
1: let's let's start talking about this microphone then. I think it's about that time. All right. I try- Uh, is a new song there's not a whole lot of backstory to it it's an awesome song but like uh let's 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 dig into it and see what yeah. we can uh what, what what so you said spotify basically revealed to you that this was your most listened to song of of what 2019 or
2: 2018 or uh, definitely 2018 and i mean i kept it going in 2019 and i'm still playing it i, I like i said i listened to this album Regularly, at least once a month, maybe more, <laughs> but yeah, Yeah, and so
1: this one 's pretty deep in the track list, yeah, I mean they have they have a lot of tracks on every album, but so at track nine what uh what what jumped out uh, at you about the, about this song
2: and I just really like the mellow vibe of this song, uh, the way it starts off with the the first five notes are just they 're so clean and clear, and i 'm not sure if it was a xylophone or bells or something, but the you know, dun, dun. but yeah, the little chimey part. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, in the in the credits, at least on the wiki, it has. I mean, I would guess it's a, a keyboard that Linnell's doing. It does almost sound like a vibraphone. A vibraphone. Yeah. Uh, are you familiar with what a vibro? No, kind of are? no, not exactly. Well, basically. So, like, you'll hear glockenspiel. I use glockenspiel a lot. A glockenspiel... Oh, you do? And this is what, what my percussion... Yeah, if you listen to outdoor lore, it's all over the place. But my percussionists, when they learn to play, they learn on a glockenspiel, which is uh, metal bars. It's a metallophone... Tiny metal bars, very high pitched instrument. It's good for cutting through twinkly stuff over top of pretty songs or cutting through loud songs. I use it a lot. You'll see it on They Might Be Giants stuff. You'll also hear like toy piano, and toy piano is basically a oh. Glockenspiel, a Glockenspiel inside uh-huh. of a, uh, a piano. Speaking of Glockenspiels, I have seen They Might Be Giants play
2: one live, so that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So on. Um Chewhorn with teeth, right? Uh, dun, 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 probably. Dun, bing. Probably. People should give yes. you. Know,
2: we're. going yeah, Play the yeah. old
1: school. The old school with like the yeah. scrolls, yes. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, a vibraphone is like a bigger version of that. So if you think about, if you're thinking like of a classical, like an orchestra, the big xylophones, uh, you know, tons of bars. You'll have marimbas that are even bigger. Xylophones are wood bars. Marimbas are wood bars. Um, a vibraphone is basically the pitch range of the full-size xylophone, but it's a metallophone. You'll see jazz combos that have vibraphones instead of uh, piano or instead of guitar. They have a very cool kind of chiming sound, but it's not as high-pitched and pingy. So, I mean, it's hard to say that they, they, you know, mic'd up a vibraphone just to get like four notes (laughs) at the beginning of this song. It's probably just... A keyboard set, yeah, probably. But it's a very
2: chiming vibraphony type keyboard set. Oh yeah, and it sets the the tone for the whole song. You know, those first five notes, and then it then it kind of smooths out with these backside guitar tones that are really just soothing. You know, and like as soon as I hear those, the the very first thirty seconds, it, it, the scene in my mind. I love uh, they map giants. Like when I hear they map giants, I really see my own mental video of what's what the feelings invoke. Like, like I said, this song in particular creates a scene of a, a guy walking around with like this big white wool sweater, walking down a dirt road. And you know, (laughs) he's thinking about life and he's just, he's in new England, right? He's just walking down some country road in new England. And, somewhere and like that's why i love the song because it starts off like that and i'm instantly transported to this
1: place so then what did you think of the video then which is
2: not that oh the video is really weird and cool but it doesn't really it doesn't touch the feelings or tones for me it's just kind of too many bugs, right? It's kind of creepy with the caterpillars.
1: It is creepy and a lot of sawing. Yeah. You know, this guy gets sawed. The, well, I must, the, the character, so the credits for that video, character design and direction, Joyce Hesselberth and David Plunkert, spur design. And then the animation is Joyce Hesselberth and Brianna Gooch. It's very cool. It's very cool style. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love the it's, style. I, I mean, I think it's essentially, um, I mean, it looks like it's it's stop motion animation in a way, in that it's like it's cut out silhouettes, almost like what South Park was like when it first started. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Where it's you know it's cut out two people yeah. shapes and you know done you know and then animated through thousands of photos, and it's a very cool. Um, yeah, it's a very cool video, but it, it makes it a lot darker of a tone
2: yeah well you know for you it's not that dark of a song oh no i mean it is in a way it is definitely and i i just love the dark songs obviously because i'm so attracted to the giants but uh yeah (laughs) i mean okay so like i i I, it's soothing but it's also dark and um dissonant you know like i i think that i love the bass the way the bass riff uh bass riff is just kind of it walks up and down it climbs up and down and um flans when he sings he's just so sweet you know like the that falsetto i love when he sings in in the falsetto like uh, like when i saw him on the factory showroom tour and they played how can i sing like a girl one of my favorite songs live so uh, the way flans is uh, brings out the vocals in this track are amazing but i think I think the thing I like most musically about this song is the way it starts off with this kind of uh, dissonance that they create with these minor and flat notes, uh, and it really makes me feel like I'm there, feeling these feelings of introspection and you know pondering your life, you know thinking like, am I good enough and have I lived up to my yeah. my expectations and everyone else's expectations? So like it creates this dissonance, and then you know like a minute into the song, there's this guitar solo Miller does, yeah. I, 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 it gives me goosebumps every single time I listen to that.
1: Yeah, I love a good guitar solo that's on the low strings. Yeah. It's not a shredding guitar solo. It's a little, it's almost like a little, like, spaghetti western style, like, digga, digga, dung, dung, ding, digga. Like, yes. Like, shoot out at high noon, like, a little, digga, digga, ding, ding. Yeah. You know, little, a yeah. little,
2: yeah. That feeling of you know, that, cool. that, that, that guitar solo is just so amazing to me. And, you know, I. I I love it every single time I hear it. That's probably my favorite part of the song, yeah. but I, I just really like the way it kind of starts off kind of minor and flat. And then by the, I think the second verse or the second chorus, uh, it, it, the, the, I, I forget the, um, the musical theory words, but you, you, you create dissonance well, and then you do go you, to, um, yeah. Yeah. Can you explain that? Um, well, what you were—well, finish what you were saying there. I—I I, well, I interrupted I, you. There. I, finish no, no well, I—I'm—I'm I'm just kind of leading you to help me explain what this—this this feeling of flat notes and dissonance, and then what happens after that. Like, I forget the I, I, musical theory was my first college class. So I don't remember anything about it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I think one of my well, I've I've had a lot of positive feedback, and you've been giving me positive feedback about the guitar, about the uh, theory, music theory elements of the podcast. Because at first, I shied away from it a little bit because I didn't want to alienate people that were like, whatever, well, I don't, you know, I don't need to know about all that. Like, who cares? I just like the song." But I've gotten enough positive feedback where like this is one of my favorite things now to go on the wiki or other guitar sites and like look at the chord progression. And not that I like disproving what some other person has submitted to the wiki, but like if I see a problem with it, I like to kind of like crack the case. And so,
2: yeah, like um, the like F Dorian. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. So this song, according to the wiki, it's it's C major. It really is not at all. (laughs) So about ten minutes before uh, we got on the call. I decided to, uh, well, we're also you know teasing the cover section in that there aren't any covers. So I was like, well, let me see uh, what it's like to play this song. And so then you're forced to really look at the chord progressions and to say the song is in C major, but to never have it solidly land on a C. Ever means that it's not uh, in C major. I, I, I don't know if you're on the wiki right now. If you look at the yeah, go check the it chord out. progression. So it starts out like it's going to go to the C, but it doesn't. Like the chiming part, the, it does a little chiming part, and then the the G. But then it goes to the it goes to an E minor. So. Um. So, I think the person that wrote it might have been confused thinking it's in C in that if you played it on the piano, the first verse, you'd only play white keys. Okay? So, that can make you think it's in C. But it, it the, the verse only plays one C on the I'm busting out line. Oh, okay. And it's just like a passing chord. <laughs> uh, and then it shifts... To E flat, and the whole key changes. It changes to the like definitely the 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 second verse, or if you want to call it that, the caring is carding bad ideas to the dump, right? And then the kindness is killing off my unfinished dreams. Those two parts, that is solidly an E flat major, because because it's just E flat, the one, A flat, the four. E flat, the five. That's it. And walking away, walking away. So that very solidly is an E flat major. Okay. But it goes back and forth. It goes from... And it's what makes it this song so hard to sing is that it shifts a half step... And so like the and, and from a, like a kind of minor to like a major feel, I guess. It starts out with an E minor and an A minor, but then the second part starts out with an E flat major and an A flat major. So it's yeah. taking it down a step and from minor to major. It's a very interesting chord progression cuz I remember like when I'd listen to it, I'd be like there's something really interesting to the song. I can't figure out cuz I could tell there was some sort of like change happening now I don't have perfect pitch, but I could tell there was some sort of change happening. I figured there was a key change of some sort, but I didn't realize it was just a half step because that's a very odd change to make. Like one of the most popular changes, they call it the the, the gear shift change, where you essentially just like slam into another key is to take... Take it up a step. Like, that's that's the big trick. And I've used it a couple of times for like the last chorus of the song. Bump it up a step to make it seem more epic. Just bump yeah, the key up yeah. from, you know, from like D to E or whatever. <laughs> I, I've done that. But this bumps it down okay. a half step. Um, so, like, it, it totally changes the feel. And then back up a half step and then back down a half step. So the. the First verse Chilly
3: and dry New England style
1: I think it's in G, personally Well No, it's got that What the hell is it? Flans, what is it? (laughs) I think it's more in E minor Than in C I think it's in E minor, but then it gradually starts to shift when it gets to the... I'm busting
3: out.
1: Yes. And then you get you get an E major. So in this song, there are E minors, E majors, and E flat majors. I would never think to like have all three of those chords in the same song. It doesn't seem right. You'd be like, those belong in different songs. But it just works.
2: <laughs> like, but it just works. The yeah. thing about it, it's just it's smooth.
1: So I'd say the... First verse and third verse, or if you want to say it's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, I don't even know. The song, it's very yeah. hard to define yeah. the parts. Because like the, hey, this microphone was turned on all along, it's kind of like the hook of the song. So I guess if you call that the chorus, I guess you could say the verses are in E minor, the choruses are in E flat major. Um, there definitely is some toying around and some shifting between those keys, but... um We can continue talking about the song, but should I just go ahead and play the whole fucking thing? Hell yeah. I like doing these live on air Dude, I love it too, man. I will tell you, though, I hadn't put my hands to a guitar on this song until uh, literally 7.20 p.m. my time, so 10 minutes before I was going to call you. (laughs) Oh, you got it, man. You got it. You can do it. So I do not have that solo down. That's okay. Plus, when you're the only guitarist, it's hard to do a solo without anything behind you. Um, Yeah, and I also was... uh, Having a little fun going faster, so we'll go just a little
3: faster. Yeah, let's do it. Selflessly hiding all emotion inside. Chilly and dry, New England style. Nobody's figured out my 12 fatal flaws. Who's keeping the score? Who wins that war? I'm busting out, and I know everyone agrees. Caring and scarting bad ideas to the top And taking my time, taking my time Hey, this microphone was turned on all along I tried returning all that stuff to the store. Then I bought more, then I bought more. I'm done explaining all these reckless displays. Hard to defend, I'm in a haze. Old stories told in brand new clothes I bought today. Kill- the kindness is killing off my unfinished dreams and walking away, just walking away. Hey, this microphone was turned on all along. Caring is carting bad ideas to the dump and taking my time, taking my time. This microphone was turned on all along.
2: Yeah! Woo! (laughs) Sweet! That was rocking, man.
1: When you're tuned to standard E tuning. E flats are like the worst possible chord someone could ever put into a song because <laughs> you, you're forced to play them way up there. Yeah. If I tune down to E flat, I would. I, yeah, you know, I wonder if maybe uh, Miller tunes down for this one. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that reminds me. I was there was a live version I wanted to show you, and then I can watch Miller's hands huh. and see okay. if he's in standard tuning. <laughs> like off camera half the time. Yeah, he's in standard tuning. Yeah, and and he's playing bar chords and some stuff up in octave from what I was playing even during the verses. Like I was using mostly open chords which if I'm just going to crank out a uh, you know, I just learned that song, I'm going to do the standard chords. Oh yeah. You know, standard E minor well rather than like up high in a, a
2: bar yeah, yeah. That live version was actually really pretty close to the album version, and I've actually watched quite a few live versions, and his solos are different every single time. But yeah, that was a really good, really good quality sounding too. So
1: yeah, really yeah. That's that. what's, what's you know it 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 looks nice, and despite this person being right up to the stage, <laughs> it actually sounds pretty good. Usually those sound the worst. Uh-huh. Like like uh, Peter Gritch will tell you he um. Records his audio and from the balcony. Right and uh, it always sounds great. That's where you're going to get the best mix from the PA. You know, the sound guy is mixing it to come out of these speakers that are way up or way to the sides. So if you get way close to the stage, you're going to hear the guitar amps. You're going to hear the actual drums. You're not going to hear what's mic'd and mixed. Yeah, and usually it's just very distorted when it's that close, too, I noticed. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I couldn't hear Flansburg's guitar. Well, that's maybe because his amp's on the other side of the stage. And it's got a mic on it, but you're standing too close, so you're not hearing what the sound guy is, is mixing. Like, I love getting up close at shows, and, and depending on what the band is, sometimes just getting the sheer volume of the shit is part of the fun. But if you want to really get good audio for a podcast off of someone's cell phone video, Chances are I'm looking for one that's like far away. Like I'll even like scroll YouTube and be like, nope, too close, too close. I won't, I won't even listen to it. I'll I'll find someone who is like back and be like, that's the one.
2: Yeah. So Rowan Killjoy, this, uh, this guy that posted this video, really good video. And I also like it. His last name is Rowan or his first name might be Rowan. That's my last name. So
1: yeah, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) I know I clicked over to it. I'm like, wait. This isn't you. This isn't you under some like secret name.
2: <laughs> no, it's Wisconsin. No, I go to their shows, but I don't bring out my phone. I'm too enthralled to to waste any time recording anything. I'm there singing the whole time, so yeah, it's all about just watching the show for me.
1: <laughs> Looking at this guy's other videos, uh, they might be giants. Kind of stick out as, as different, and it's like we've talked about. It's so hard to kind of categorize them that it's hard to say. Oh, you like They Might Be Giants? Well, you must like this other band. Not necessarily. Like, this guy has a bunch of live videos of the Melvins. Oh,
2: yeah. Who okay.
1: are... Yeah, yeah. Like, you You were probably into that yeah. when you were coming up on, like, you know, because Nirvana was hugely influenced for by sure. them. For sure. Um, so, like, to see a guy posting a shitload of Melvins videos, and then he's also done a They Might Be Giants video, yeah. you know, for some people that might be like, especially this microphone, it's like a ballad. Be like, these two things do not go together, but... Us, they might be Giants fans. We cannot be defined easily. Yes, that's right. You can't put me in a box. Yeah, man. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I, I love this song. And I yeah, like my little cover there, my little on-air cover, I was like, I'll take it a little faster and not as whimsical in the vocals. But I love Flansburg's vocal take, but I'm not just going to like imitate him, because I can't do that Flans voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, would just, I would just fall short. But I do love that vocal tone, and it seems like one he's kind of uh, grown fond of lately because a song like, well, Dana Williamson was on the Ampersand episode about a year ago, and Ampersand off My Murdered Remains is kind of in the same vein as this song. Yeah. Like, those two could could fit, could fit pair together real nicely. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. It's that same kind of uh, touching Flansburg, uh, Flansburg vocal. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit more about the lyrics? Because we haven't like dived into specific lines. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, like you alluded to some of it um, in your uh, the imagery that this kind of conjures up for you. Well, sure. Are there are. are um, but yeah, like you say, he's walking down a New England road. Like it's like especially when right off this the second line is chilly and dry, New England style. Yeah. <laughs> like-
2: well, the, the very the very first line is the one that touches me the most. You know, he's selflessly hiding all emotions inside, right. which I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. It, it could be that he's like you know a famous person. I think he. I almost feel like this is almost a biographical song from Flans in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I really do because I mean he's he is selflessly hiding all emotions inside and. It's chilly and dry New England style. The scene of this this misty morning walk. You know, maybe he's yeah. he's uh, walking down a road on a, or he's next to a fire on a rainy day or something. But either way, the. The images in my mind's eye are just really good, and then that next line nobody's figured out my twelve fatal flaws. I just, I lo- when the first time I heard that, I laughed. I love yeah, that because yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. what are my what are my twelve fatal flaws? What are they? You know? Has anyone figured
1: that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- that first line is super interesting because the selfless, yeah, selflessly hiding. It's like this: the the narrator is saying like he's got some shit really wrong with him, yeah. But he's not gonna unleash it on you. He's gonna keep it bo- nice and bottled up inside, exactly. Just like the opposite of what his therapist would tell him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm doing you all a favor. Not uh subjecting you to my shit.
2: Yeah. I, I I love that. I feel like I identify with that in a way because I mean as as a guy we're taught to kind of keep our emotions inside or whatever, it is it, as unhealthy right. as it is. But uh I mean I just I I totally feel this song and it feels like me in a way too, because you know, he's he's a little sad, maybe a little depressed, maybe a little introspective, yeah. but yet he keeps a cool persona on the outside and he's busting out and everyone agrees, you know, like he's he's just accepting his life, and he's not giving in yeah. to regret. He's going to lay all his cards out on the table, you know. And yeah,
1: so yeah, what do you say? This is about. I mean, is it about a guy who? I mean, the song doesn't really come across as like because it says I- I'm busting out is kind of a uh, a strong line to sing in that whimsical tone, but like it almost makes it seem like oh, I am going to reveal my fatal flaws, but then he talks about carting his bad ideas to the dump. So this guy clearly doesn't think very highly of himself, at least as far as I can tell, which is a very common theme in both Linnell and Flansburg songs. Narrators that are extremely depressed or think very uh, lowly of themselves. And he's saying, again, it's like the selflessly, I'm hiding all these emotions so you don't have to be subjected to my emotions. And he's saying caring... Is carting all my bad ideas to the dump. Like I don't have any good ideas. I'm <laughs> yeah. just gonna. I'm just gonna throw them away. Um, and then the the hey, this microphone was turned on all along. I don't know. Like people were overhearing him, or people are figuring him out. I'm. I, I'm not exactly sure what to make of that line, but maybe it is like yeah. there are people that do care about him. There are people that do know his twelve fatal flaws. In fact. Um, and uh, he does. He is more worthwhile than he he thinks. You know, people have been listening to him, and, yeah, <laughs> uh, caring, caring about him. That that would be my hopeful takeaway from a song that can seem pretty depressing.
2: Yeah, I mean the the lyrics are speaking of looking inside yourself and kind of analyzing what you are all about and what people think about you, maybe. But um, I mean that caring is carting, but it is the dump. I. I love that line in particular. It's one of the best things ever. I feel like, I also feel like I've been there myself, you know, like when I was 18 years old and I moved to Colorado, I had a dream of becoming a soundboard engineer, you know, and then I got caught up in life and work and making friends. And then I just like that, that idea went to the dump, you know, because I'm doing adult stuff and I forgot about my <laughs> yeah. teen dreams, you know, and so that song, th- th- these lines all speak right to me, you know, and like this is my anthem in a way. And
1: yeah, it it is tough. Yeah, like it's, it's you know, y- you always want to have aspirations and stuff, but there are those youthful dreams that are hard to attain. And, you know, if you're lucky, you've got parents that push you towards, you know, what you want to do and you may or may not achieve that but the again just another line about this guy like not thinking very highly of himself or his dreams kindness is killing off my unfinished dreams so it's just like i'm not gonna bog you guys down with like my aspirations i'm gonna be kind yeah by just killing that off just forget about that shit i'm walking away um taking all my bad ideas to the dump um and then this microphone was turned on all along. It's kind of the twist at the end where I feel like maybe, maybe he is talking to a therapist that's figuring out his his flaws and is going to help him with this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe this is a whole confessional thing. And he's telling a therapist for the first time about how his whole life he's been hiding his emotions and, uh, Forgetting his his you know lifelong dreams and
2: goals and stuff. I don't. I don't know. It's. I know that's a hard one. I don't, I don't really know what to make of that line either. I, I feel like maybe I'm going the ba- titular line. This microphone
1: is like that's the that's the, the yeah. twist. That's like hard to figure out.
2: Well, I mean microphones are usually for people that are displaying themselves so like i I go back to is he a famous person or is he or maybe he's paranoid about something because like you know when i was uh uh-huh. i was thinking about this too it could be this microphone like a secret microphone has been turned on all along and it's listening to him you know like that that, yeah. that could that's the more literal way but i feel like it's just more of like it's a mysterious uh uh, I don't know. Just, their imagination can go wild with possibilities. What What is this microphone? What's What is What is he saying? Um, and then right. And then that last line, I try. Or you know, getting towards the end, when I tried returning that stuff to the store, but then I bought more. I don't really have any idea, but I I, I feel like he was trying to change his twelve fatal flaws, you know, maybe. Uh-huh. And then he realized that uh, he realized that there's really nothing you could do. You could you can go buy new clothes, but you still. St- st- tell the same old stories you're still the same person inside and uh, i think i think i like that because i feel like at the very end he's just he's accepting it he's accepting that he is who he is and that's it you know yeah i think there's also
1: a bit about that this guy's like maybe an alcoholic (laughs) the whole thing about well he says i'm done explaining all these reckless displays it's hard to defend i'm in a haze Uh drugs or alcohol he's saying like he's done some reckless shit That's alcoholism. That's one of his 12 fatal flaws. Yeah. yeah. Um, Reckless displays. He can't defend himself. He's done explaining it. He's just going to bottle everything up now. He's going to take all his bad ideas to the dump. He's tired of... Yeah, maybe... But maybe he's trying to straighten himself out. He's like, I can't defend it. It's hard to defend. Um yeah, these are old stories I'm telling, and I'm trying to put on new clothes and come to terms with things. And that you, you know, that's that's what I'm settling on. He's at the therapist's office. He's finally, <laughs> it, he's like full into adulthood, and he's like, maybe I do need help because uh, I obviously am kind of depressed. Yeah, and yeah. and or and or a drunk. So that's that that's that's gonna be that's my final answer there. That's what I'm settling on.
2: <laughs> I, I like it. You know, I mean, why not? <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is a great song. Um, So yeah, there's no uh, covers other than the one I just did. So that's, uh, I mean, I think we can already just go ahead and score this song. I mean, we've we've made a good length episode out of uh, this fresh, fairly fresh song. Uh, If you're going to score this microphone, Track 9 on uh, one of their most recent albums... How would you rank it against all the other stuff? It's hard to rank these newer ones.
2: Yeah, it's hard to rank. How would you score it? Well, my favorite song of They Might Be Giants is "She's an Angel." It is the song that I insist they play at my funeral, so uh-huh. I'm gonna rank yeah. it against she Me- uh, "She's an Angel." So, uh, I mean, it, it's it's almost perfect. I love everything about it. The only thing I would uh, like, I would have liked it better if it would have just been a little bit longer. I know they might be giants short, sweet ditties, but this song is so good it could've gone for one more minute, in my opinion. Or at least yeah. That's why I repeat it every single time I play it. Because I put it on repeat yeah. and i just like I have to listen to it twice at least. So um I love it. And it's my favorite song off the new album. And I would rank this at a nine point three 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 repeating because wow. it's it's almost perfect, but you know, there's a slight bit of room for improvement, so I would say 9.3 sure. out of everything it goes on my every playlist I'm going to make from now on. Okay. So that's, yeah,
1: it's, it's a great song. And, and just like every, they might be giant song that I cover, it, it makes me appreciate it more. And yeah, for a song that is, uh, only two and a half minutes long, it changes keys, changes back and then changes keys again. Um, in a way that, like when I, like I said, when I first heard it, I'm like something's going on here. Like, you know, my my musical brain was like something changed there. I couldn't like be like, yep, that's it. But like when I looked at it on and and put it on the guitar, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And like like the fact that I said that it has an E minor. Uh, an E major, and an E flat major. Like, these are things that I would never do and I should try to do and be more creative with my chord progressions. But it's like, Flansburg, like, just, like, short and sweet, the super interesting stuff happening, and but not distracting from, like, just, like, the sad beauty of the song. Yeah. Uh, really made me appreciate this more, and I always liked it, and I like that Flansburg vibe, like I said, like ampersand. Um, so I... Th- Think, man. I'm. I think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven point seven.
2: All right, that's that's a good score. It's solid.
1: Yeah, yeah. You've listened to all the episodes. I don't throw out the tens willy nilly. Yeah. <laughs> um. It is a great one, though, man. I'm glad you picked it. I like the the deep cuts and it. it's a new song and it looks like it's only been played 37 times. But I mean, I guess for being only two years old. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm but not. Sadly, sadly, I would say that maybe this one doesn't become like a standard that lasts through the years for the live set. I you don't ha- think if I were just a. Uh, it's one that I feel like it's not anthemic. I mean, maybe it's one that'll come back in like the quiet storm, uh-huh. like a couple of years down the line. Yeah, I could be wrong. I you know, but when they're doing a flood tour and half of the set is flood, they're kind of limited on a you know yeah. sp- a time frame to like jam in. A
2: song like this. Well, I I've seen it live, and it is excellent live. And I hope it stays in their repertoire forever. Because when they when they played it live for me, I pretty much had a cow, and <laughs> I was like, I was like, I freaked out a little bit. And uh, I think you had a cow. What a '90s thing to say. I love it. I'm a cow, man. But yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Uh, I love this song, and I I thank you so much, Greg, for having me on your your podcast to talk about this the best, greatest band of all time. And
1: yeah, man, <laughs> it's been super fun. Thank you for supporting the podcast. And uh, yeah, that was that was great. You know, we were like, are we going to be able to get a full episode out of this new sh- song, the short song, no covers? And I I think we did all right. <laughs> awesome, man. We pulled it off. Yeah. Now it's great talking to new people. I love having on returning guests and getting to know people better. But the first time guests, there's that, you know, it's that jump into the unknown, yeah. talking to someone new and talking to someone on Twitter is not the same as talking to someone on the phone um, or in person. So it is fun and and good to good to meet you as far as you know in the in the virtual digital age yeah man, this is much feels more real than than you know just tweeting at each other well, next so, time you come to colorado
2: um, i will come and see your band play and, yeah. yeah for sure for sure yeah
1: it, it's harder to do the far tours now with the baby yeah. and it was easier when we were a duo <laughs> now we're we're in our john henry period and cool. we got more people yeah. more people to cart around yeah but uh so who knows Maybe. Uh yeah, I will definitely hit you up. Or if I'm out there for any other reason, like it being beautiful out there, maybe. Yeah, it is. So, and look yeah, skiing or yeah, something
2: or hiking anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I did do I did do a fair amount of skiing. I mean, in Chicago, there's plenty of snow, oh, yeah. but usually you're like a man made mountain or something, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. So it's not quite the same. Yeah. And I was a skateboarder, but I tried snowboarding once and was so frustrated by it because the balancing like the distribution of weight is completely different, yeah. Um, and I just ended up on my ass constantly, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Because I it hurts, like, it hurts. A pretty good, I was a pretty good skater, and the fact like I was expecting like, "Oh, I'm just gonna pick it up immediately," and I was a high schooler, so I was like, Superman. "Fuck this shit!" Yeah. Like the fact that I wasn't able to just like tear ass down the mountain immediately, I was like, <laughs> "Screw this!" <laughs> I think I went and was like, "I'll I'll ski again," you know. I did fine on skiing. This Might Be a Podcast is uh, produced, hosted, everything by me. Thanks to punknews.org and Adam White for uh, taking care of all the technical stuff. Go listen to all the punk news podcasts. And, um, you know, there's only like 600 episodes there. So, you know, you'll fly through them. It's fine. you can hit me up at uh, uh, This Might Be a Pod at Gmail, at This Might Be a Pod on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, this might Be a Podcast.com is the official site, which I forget to update all the time. We got the Bandcamp, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, disclaimer we are not officially affiliated with They Might Be Giants in any way. If you couldn't tell by my level of professionalism, Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again, Harley. And, uh, I will talk to you again later. Thanks, Greg. Have a good day.